Welcome to episode 57 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Soma. You can discuss this game and many other games in our Discord community. You can find the details of that on our website at leftbehindgame.club. In this, our brand new longest episode ever, we dive deep on the lore of Soma, including space cat buttholes. I think I should also touch on the, the buttholes that were kind of everywhere. Where Did you, you say <laughs> the, the buttholes? Yeah, the cat buttholes. <laughs> Okay, so oh no! Just, just Tell to us give, about the cat buttholes, Mo. As you keep advancing, there's like an interact button that says, "Hey, click on this like mon- not monster, but like essentially it's like a giant space butthole <laughs> that you have to put." And I'm sorry, this sounds gruesome, but there's no. Well, if you look this up and you haven't played this game, you're gonna be like, "Yep, it's a cat butthole." You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him, his name is Momertati. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. What's up, guys? I'm excited to play. Well, I was excited to play. Now I regret playing this game that we did play. We'll talk more about that in a second after we introduce our second guest. It's her first time on the podcast. It is Jessica Fantuzo. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Woo! Woo! Uh, one thing I want to mention off the top, um, Jessica and I share a common bond. Uh, how would you describe said bond, Jessica? Are <gasps> uh, you boyfriend and girlfriend? Yes, yes, Jessica, we are boyfriend and girlfriend. So cute, so cute. That is the most interesting way to describe a relationship, and I don't mind it. (laughs) Uh, Talking about other things that are scary, uh, I'm talking about my description, not the relationship itself. Yikes, I'm going to get that one. I'm writing that down. Okay, uh, today we're playing a scary video game, uh, a good video game. Uh, that is Soma, uh, developed and published by Frictional Games, uh, released on Linux, Windows, uh, Mac, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, first release date, September 22nd, 2015. Mo, Jess, we didn't talk much throughout this process, but I feel like we have tons to say about this video game. Who wants to start and just maybe talk about Mo, you've got your hand up. Yeah, man. I think I'm ready to, to fly. Well, first of all, I kind of let you know what, how I tackled this one. Um, I, I think I might've been Jacob that suggested, Hey, let's give a crack at this game called Soma. So not knowing anything about it, I was like, okay, let's go check it out. First thing that hit me right in the face was that sticker price. I'm not one to complain, but uh, it was pretty steep, but luckily Steam came through with an awesome sale, picked it up there and I played it on my PC. Uh, Jacob, how did, how did you play the game? Um, so it has been available, uh, in a few different bundles. Uh, I know on Humble Bundle, that's how I have a copy on PC. And then as well, it's been either a free PlayStation Plus game. I believe it was a PlayStation Plus game on PS4. So I actually played it on PS4. Uh, Jess, how did you play Soma? I played it curled up in a ball on a PC. <laughs> oh, right on. Uh, Spoiler alert. Curled up in a ball the entire time. <laughs> So it is a survival horror game. 
Uh, does someone want to take a crack? Uh, and before we do that, I just want to thank Thomas Reese, who was one of the folks that suggested we play the game. Uh, he's in the Discord. He is the host of the Charge Shot Gamecast, Gamescast, and he's been on the show a few times. So thank you, Thomas. What the hell is Soma? Uh, I, I, I don't even... I didn't know at first, but I think I, it kind of rounded itself out at the end. Essentially, it seems like a survival horror game. Um, where you play some kind of uh, gentleman who has some brain injury, who's based out of Toronto. He th- like sn- goes out to one of his doctors. His doctor's like, yo, take a seat. We're going to scan your brain and hopefully help you with the issues you're having. And I found throughout the first, I want to say more than the first half of the game, I had almost no idea essentially what was going on, but it was intentional. They didn't give you much information, and you kind of piece that together as you're walking around. Um, so first person... Uh, walking simulator style with a lot of interactivity, with a lot of stories and a lot of talking with uh, a couple characters that you meet throughout. Um, that's essentially what it is. Survival horror game. Monsters jump at you. Very creepy, dark, jump scares, screen shakes a bit. Music is made to make your hair stand up or curl into a ball like only Jess was. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I was terrified, <laughs> curled up into a ball. Even more so, I had to walk away. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, like, I had to step away from my computer desk and just, like, walk to the fridge just to get out of the moment and not not confront what just jumped at me a minute ago after I alt f forward and closed the window. Jess? I did the exact same thing. There were a couple moments where I had to take a deep breath and pause the game and, like, hands on face, face in pillow remind myself that it was a video game and it was fine and return back to playing you know you know what i'm gonna stop being macho there, there wasn't just a couple times for me several times i'd say at least a dozen times when i had to like minimize the window and just stop watch a youtube video or do something to kind of get my Puppies. mind off of it wait a couple hours <laughs> and then come back i'm not a fan of those scary games so i knew this one was going to be a tricky one for me to get through because i just don't enjoy them whatsoever um but yeah it was it was really rough uh, jacob what was your experience i guess initially like so uh, i was kind of the one that brought this game to the group and said we should play this game uh michael is not a fan of survival horror games so he immediately was like no nope uh-uh not gonna play this <laughs> and i i think he was smart in that respect oh yeah he, he, uh, but- he strategically said hey guys I, I, I may not be able to play this game and we all <laughs> knew why <laughs> Yeah, and see, I, I like I'm not a fan of horror film. Uh, like I believe, you know, Jess is a fan of horror film. I am not a fan of it, but for some reason, I gravitate towards survival horror games. So games like uh, Resident Evil Four, uh, games like Dead Space. I love the original Dead Space and Dead Space Two. Uh, but this is one game that's been on my wish list to play for almost since it came out in 2015, and. I, I didn't play it on safe mode. I've played it on the normal mode. Wow. Uh, and despite playing it in a basement um, with a nice cat curled up on my lap, um, I won't lie, there was two or three instances where I was scared uh, uh, scared poopless, as they say. Um, did you guys play it on the normal mode or the safe mode? Because I think there's a very important distinction that we have to draw uh, when playing it in those two modes. I didn't even contemplate not playing it on safe mode. The option came up and I immediately was like, safe mode. 
I'm playing this game on safe mode. <laughs> it's almost exactly what I did. I initially jumped onto like uh, Google and I like searched what are the differences between safe versus the regular. Am I going to lose the experience? And it seemed like universally everyone was saying uh, the, the, the diehards were saying, you know what, you have to play it on the dangerous mode. It's blah blah. blah. But everyone that said that the safe safe mode, you don't lose anything. You get more of the story. You don't die. It's a little bit less frustrating. And I, I couldn't fathom playing it on the scary mode jacob so bravo tip of the hat can't believe you did it i i can't believe i did it either and mo it must be doubly scary for you um given the way that the game opens i know when you were starting to play the game uh, i saw you i think about a week ago and you'd said that i don't know if i can play this game because it's in toronto and you start the game and it goes through my subway stops yeah. Isn't that what you said? You nailed it right on the head. So for the listeners that don't know, I'm based out of Toronto, Ontario, and that's where the game was, I guess, based out of. Um, and there's one scene in particular where you jump onto the subway. And I, I, Initially, I was like, you know what? This is a video game. This isn't real life. Monsters don't exist. But this game, I feel like, was tailored to freak me out because <laughs> for a good year... The same stops it was going through were the same stops I did every day going to and from work and same subway stations relatively. Uh, there's some kind of differences with the actual subway itself because we have some newer ones down in the city. But yeah, it, it was it was totally creepy because it's like, man, if I take the subway at nighttime now, I'm just going to be thinking about Soma and, and the <laughs> monsters itself. That's one of the small things that made it extra scary for me. And that's what I'm holding on to. Now, I think what I want to do before we get into... Uh the deep, deep part of this game. I want to warn anyone that's listening that we are going to spoil the heck out of this game. So if you are interested in Soma in any way, um, you may want to stop at this point, play Soma, watch some Soma, read about Soma, because I'm not going to lie, I think a lot of the draw of this game is the actual story. So from here on out, spoiler city. 100%. Even if like you're you're if you're okay with scary games at all or like you're you can kind of tolerate them, highly recommend. I think this podcast will be a lot better if you've played it and you've gone through all the things we're about to talk about. If not, it might be a little tricky, but we'll try to make it as exciting as possible. I think we will with a lot of screams. So I'll just start and then uh, kind of summarize what happened right before uh, the game takes a turn, and then we can talk about it from there. So Mo, you mentioned uh, you're involved in a car crash in Toronto. Uh, your friend Ashley dies in the car crash, and you get a near-fatal brain injury. Um, from there, you're in your apartment, which must have, again, been doubly scary for both of you because you both live in apartments on your own. And so, again, going through that, uh, you're invited to York University in Toronto, where uh, Dr. David Munchi is uh, doing experimental brain scans and in a way to reverse um, severe brain injuries. So that's how the game starts. Um, what did you first think, Jess, when you started to play the game? Because this isn't typically the type of game that you play, correct? You know, I didn't connect. I didn't connect the dots with what Mo was saying. So now every time the lights are off in my apartment, I'm going to have some sort of moral conniption about what is my life and who am I? <laughs> the game initially when it started was actually similar to games that I've paid, like, played in the past of click and point adventure style games. It's really, I think once you get off the subway and things kind of take that dark turn is where the game went in a direction that I hadn't experienced before. What did you expect to play? And then what, what kind of was the game that you were presented? Um, 
I think I went into this game a little bit more blind than the two of you. Like I didn't, I didn't know the plot in depth. I didn't know what the gameplay was going to be. Um, so the, the added sci-fi elements and the added interaction with the monsters that you encounter, like throughout the entire game, that was kind of like a, Oh crap moment. Like that was the biggest moment for me of what did I, what did I sign up for? Yeah, so so that that moment happens like within the first 30 minutes where the scan happens, you black out and then you regain consciousness essentially in like a futuristic bunker, right? So what did you guys think when you suddenly woke up from the scan and then you awake in uh, what all you know is this pathos 2? Why am I in pathos 2? What did you think of that? So, so I, I didn't even know what was happening. Whenever, I felt like every part of the game leading up to even the creepy part when you like black out into that chair and you wake up in that new world, I thought that was all creepy because I didn't know what to expect of the game. All I know is it was a horror game. So when, walking into the office, no one was in the office. Uh, walking through the halls, no one was in the halls. Um, that was all terrifying for me because I knew something was going to jump to kill me. So, but nothing really jumps at you until maybe that 30 minute, 45 minute mark. But so that first 30, 45 minutes, you're just on edge. You're like, you know what? Something's going to kill me. Just come kill me now. Like, I know I'm going to get jump scared. <laughs> Where is it? So it's like that tormenting. It's going to happen. Wait, wait, wait. And then once I woke up, it was like, okay, I'm in some kind of like space shuttle, spaceship of some kind. There's lots of like either futuristic looking tech or like alienish looking tech all around me. Everything is dark. And that's when I knew, oh my God, here we go. Something <laughs> is going to fall down from the ceiling and eat me. That's kind of what I thought initially. And that's what I was expecting for the rest of the game. Things are just going to jump at me and eat me. Was that your first thought, Jess? There was a moment early on, and I think it's I think it's right after you wake up in the chair and the you're trying to figure out how to leave the room and the lights go off. I was playing at the time in my office and I was the only one there and the lights were off. Oh, and the no. lights oh no. And the lights <laughs> flickered in the game and I think I saved and exited at that moment and I had to wait a day to get back into it. Wow, because that's like the first like forty five minutes. So you played forty five minutes. You're like, nope, nope, not gonna do it. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no way. I, I had the same nope moment, but I think I waited the next day because I was scared, but also because I was like, okay, I need to be like mentally ready for this. Here we go. We're about to start. Let me take a good day break before we can kind of get this going. Am I the only sadist? Because I I played this game in like essentially three sittings. Yeah, you are. Yes, confirmed. <laughs> confirmed you have a problem um one thing i wanted to comment on and i wanted your take on it um what i liked about this game and it's one of the smaller periphery things is one of the first things you're asked to do when you get out of that facility is like the door's not working so you actually have to break a window and what i found what was cool in the game and it's such a small little detail is the physicality that you'll feel with some of the items in the game so if you pick up something heavy it's very slow and cumbersome for you to like move your camera around to throw it. You'll throw it in a, in a very small, like you'll throw it very softly, but also to open doors. I don't know what it's like on PC, but you almost have to like click a button, grab it and then move the, your camera in order to either open a door or like open a, 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 like a, to open like a gate. You have to do the same thing. Did you guys think that was like a cool thing? Did you notice it at all? 
On PC, some of the, some of the doors were more complicated than others. Like the the general door sliding your cursor back to to get the door handle open wasn't overly complicated. Where I felt the struggle was as you progress in the game and you start having to rotate handles or you start having to move your mouse in different ways to maneuver what you're dealing with. I mean, at first for me, like. I kind of felt like Edward Scissorhands where I was just sloshing items around on desks. Like I didn't actually have fingers or hand, like I was just running amok of everything that I was interacting with. But what was cool was like how you could interact with almost everything. Yeah. I had a similar kind of experience with it. I, I, I think maybe some doors had like a little bit more like heft to them when you're dragging them open or closed, particularly if you're like underwater or um, if it was like a small, like a latch that covered like a switchboard or something, those might've been a little easier. Another thing I found that was pretty cool was like with the glass in particular, um, the first time I, I smashed the glass, I used, I think the fire extinguisher, but later on there was some other moments where we had opportunity to smash glass it almost seemed like if you grabbed a heavy object, oh, that thing was smashing right away. But if you grabbed mm-hmm. like a, a, a mug or something, you'd have to whack that glass a couple times for it to kind of crack. I'm not sure if that was intentional or that was just me perceiving that, but that's that's kind of how I experienced it. And I don't know if you guys are like this in games, but um, when I'm given the option to read things, uh, Mo, I, I feel like I already know what the answer is for you. But uh, whenever I'm given the chance to like read things in desks or like in Simon's apartment to look through all of his drawers and like see what he's got and then read all his personal notes, like I'm going to go through and I'm going to read those emails. I'm going to read those notes. And this this game is no different. Like whenever there was a PC, like emails to read or notes to read or photos to look at, I was doing it. I kind of had a roller coaster experience with this one so earlier on i followed the traditional how does mo play video games he doesn't read anything he waits for someone to read <laughs> it for him um and he wait he kind of goes along with the story and hopefully things get filled in that's how i did it initially but as like the story progressed um once you started like believing in the characters once you kind of understood the relationship and then you started wanting to kind of know what the heck is going on I found myself like reading every email, reading every interaction, trying to interact with like the dead bodies, which would kind of bring you a backstory. So what that's one of the elements I'll touch on right now. Whenever you find like uh, a data buffer pad, which is kind of like a almost like a speaker box connected to walls, or you find uh, a person that's been alive and they're dead on the side of like the railing or something. If you click on them, it gives you like a brief history of the last few moments of them and how they died or what they were like the conversations they had while they died. Once I started hearing all of those experiences, it kind of sparked my interest. And I was like, you know what? I kind of care about the story. Let me keep investigating a little more as much as I can without things coming and eating me. <laughs> I will say that there were a couple moments closer to the end of the game. I think in one of the final stations where at one point in time, like you have a monster following you and they would, they didn't, they could just come into the room at well, even if the door was shut where I was just speeding through. And I'm like, I want to read these things, but I'm too scared and I just need the thing that I need and I'm running out of here. Yeah, that's that's not a typical thing. Like I know the new Resident Evil 2 that just came out, Mr. X, he can kind of walk wherever he wants in the environment and there's a sound cue that makes you know that like, hey, he's coming. But I don't think it's very common in games for enemies to go through um, like to be able to traverse wherever you are, especially in survival horror games. Like if you close a door in Dead Space, like that monster's there, it's stuck there. Um, go ahead, Jess. 
And I, I kept trying to do it. So I would enter a room and I'd be like quickly pressing the button to shut the door. And I'd like breathe a sigh of relief of I'm safe. And then the monster would come in right after me. And I'd be like, oh, God, like this isn't. I need to I need to I need to quickly find what it is that I'm looking for and get the get the heck out of here. After all um, after all the stress like throughout the game midway to halfway through because I had that decision in my head, do I lock doors? Do I keep them open so I can run away? Once I kind of realized, you know what? I won't die. I can usually outrun everything. I started leaving every doorway open as much as I could unless you're going on to a new area um because I knew like, you know what? Just put your head down. Don't look at anything. The screen's going to jitter because things are all around you. Just sprint, sprint, sprint to the objective. Um, I usually had like some kind of map saved or I'd screenshot the screen whenever there was a map and have it next to me. So I knew where I was. I knew where I needed to go. And I kind of like, even though they're, they could enter rooms, I kind of pretended like they weren't there. I just kind of closed my eyes and put tunnel vision on whatever screen I was looking at and kind of tried to keep myself safe. Huh, that's that's interesting that you actually like snapshot of the map. Did you find it like in each station you snapshot of the map? No, um, there was only a couple. Like there's some, I, I can't remember exactly which one. There was one where you had to, ah, oh, jeez. There was one where you needed two cards. One of them you need to upload a module um, of like an of a of this one guy's like wife's voice or his sister's voice. Another one, where, you know, when you get to swap through different environments that you load up a guy to get the security access codes or whatever it was mm-hmm. i i wish i could remember the name but it's, it's not it's not coming to the top of my head but anyways there was that one where you'd have to like memorize exactly where you are because you needed to get a couple chips run to a new location upload the information on there run to another location back and i found most levels were almost like a maze with different hallways where if you didn't have something it's a little tricky to kind of go through point a to point b so I think it would be fair to to kind of go through and talk about the first enemy encounter in the game because in that first area, like there's n- basically nine sites um, in the, I don't want to spoil it yet, but where you are, there's nine sites that you have to go to. Um, but kind of your first main set of encounters is as you kind of exit and go through the first site, you encounter your first enemy but then also soon after that, you also encounter your first kind of friendly ally in this. Did one of you want to kind of walk you, walk us through like what it felt like to one, meet an enemy for the first time and then two, meet your robotic ally for the first time? I'll talk about the enemy, I guess, first. Um, Initially, I was expecting like, because we didn't see any monsters yet. I was expecting like sludge things, crawling things. Essentially, I was picturing my first like 15 minutes of dead space and things just crawling everywhere. And I thought it was going to be the same thing. But then I think the first guy was almost like a walking robot. Like, a, was it the four foot or four legged kind of creature thing? As soon as I saw that and it was super slow, I'm like, oh, this thing's not going to do anything to me. I'll just, I'll just take its kneecap out and we should be good to go. Um, <laughs> when I saw that, my, my like, I was kind of relieved. I was like, you know what? Okay, this is a scary game because it's dark and because of all that. But if it's just robots that are coming after me, I'm good. I'm in good shape. Um, that's kind of how I experienced that first little guy. Um, but later on, as you're walking through, when you find your first, I guess, comrade, um, you realize a lot of robots there are speaking to you just like how you're speaking to them. They think they're almost human. Um, the first one that comes to my mind uh, was uh, there was a robot that was like kind of like in pain and was telling you, "Hey, go get us, go get a medic. I need a medic." And you kind of play around talking to him, like, "Oh, you don't need a medic. Don't you need like a 
a technician or something and he's like yeah he's like are you kidding me man like just get me a medic i'm injured so it's almost like okay is this guy is there like a pilot inside or is this like robot think it's human and that's where it kind of sparks that interest like what what are these things around you are they human are they robots is there someone in there what's going on and that's where they kind of tiptoe you around the kind of core storyline of what is human what is a robot what is that in between and what's happening here and that's when you finally meet I guess I, I throughout the entire game, no matter when they said Catherine, I kept calling her Otacon from uh, the Metal Gear Solid series because <laughs> eventually she becomes like your assistant who kind of guides you. Hey, complete this. Where are you going to go? Blah, blah, blah. That's that's kind of how we meet Catherine. Fill me in if I missed anything, but that's that's essentially how it was. Yeah. So um, the, the first creature, um, I was super surprised by it because it, it's called the, the Construct and uh, it it's almost like like a hard to describe but it's like on two legs but also it's it can fly as well or, or move very quickly in a bird-like fashion what i don't know about you yeah so i didn't know this but if you google con- the construct um it actually can like can move very quickly towards you so there's a scene i youtubed it because i ran so fast from this thing that i barely saw it um but if you open a door um in the game and the construct is kind of set in a certain position if you open the door it will actually come and like come at you very directly and maybe this isn't something that you guys experience being on safe mode but it's something that could happen if you're not in safe mode you can easily be killed um by this construct or at least knocked out and then you know if in this game if you're not on safe mode you can get knocked out two to four times before you're killed and have to like start over after a game over uh, so I'm just showing Jacob the the monster that I was kind of facing first. Is this the one you were talking about? Yeah. So my, mine so didn't you, fly at all. It just no, kind of walked neither, around. Neither did mine. No. Um. Maybe it's it's maybe I'm getting it confused. But um, some of some of these robots have like incredible like speed and it's something that you're not like I'm not used to playing because a lot of these survival horror games are zombies and a lot of the zombies are just very slow so you're not used to some of these guys having like very quick acceleration yeah that must have been like the if you played the normal mode that's what it's like so you can't escape them kind of thing whereas I found they were this my my monster I guess and I'm assuming Jess's was as well um, was super slow I didn't have trouble Jess did you did you, did you have anything different no I didn't have any trouble at all actually like I, I truthfully I kind of barely remember the first monster. I think yeah. I, I probably ran away from it so quickly that I didn't even realize it could move around in that kind of way. I also can't believe that we're calling these robots robots and not monsters because they were monsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. They right. were monsters. Now do you think the first the first um being or first ally was a monster or were they a robot? What would you call them? I don't know. I think that's like the core question of the game. Like, what would anyone call them? Like, is it a monster? Is it a human? Is it a cyborg? Um, what were they? No one really so, has an answer. So the first character is like Carl, right? And the thing that I remember and the thing that I noted down was there was a moment when you, to, in order to progress to the next area, you have to turn on basically an electric current and the way that this this robot that's calling himself Carl, um, when you turn on this current, it essentially like shocks the robot, right? Carl's and the guy that I needed c- the technician or the medic or whatever, right? Hundred mm-hmm. yes. percent. Yeah. So 
what I thought, the thing that sticks in my mind is, and I had headphones on when I was doing this, so I have the headphones on, and I turn on this current, and in the background, all I can hear is Carl screaming like someone is stabbing him. And I, at first, I like turned it on and then turned it back off because I'm like, oh, oh no, like Carl's screaming. But then you realize that you have to, in order to progress, or maybe you don't, but like, I flipped it and like Carl is just screaming as I'm running to the next room. I don't know what this says about me, but I gave that no second thought. Like <laughs> I shut that down immediately. I, I was kind of like Jess and you, Jacob, right in between almost. Cause like I, I, when, when you have, if you stay around him, you keep clicking to talk to him. You kind of talk a little bit, have more conversation. That's when I was like, you know what? This this thing or whatever, it could be an actual person. And when I actually turned the power off, first thing I went in my head was like, oh my God, is he dead? Was I, did I just mess something up? Did I just ruin the game? Like, do I start over? Like, what's going on? And then you realize a lot of this game is pretty linear. Um, and whatever you do, you just kind of have to live with morally. And that's kind of the value of the game. It's like, make your decision and just move on, even though the decision is already made for you. Did you guys know that there were moral, like multiple moral choices in this game, and the way you dealt with Carl was the first one? I didn't know that this that was part of the game, um, really, but it it was definitely a moral choice that they kind of made you make. But I don't know if there really was a choice. You, I'm, I'm assuming you had to flip the switch to continue the game. So was there really a choice? You just it was just how long were you going to wait before you did it? So what I found, and and I like killed him painfully, and I don't know just what that says about both of us, um, but uh, there was an option for you with Carl to like let him like turn off his power so that he wouldn't like scream bloody murder. No way! I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So again, one of the first moral choices that you can make uh, in Soma. After after that. I think what you said is that you you established connection with a woman by the name of Catherine Chun, and she is com- almost like your biggest ally in the game. What did you think when you first heard from Catherine Chun? Sweet angel Catherine. <laughs> you thought she was good? She was like this voice that came down from robot heaven to guide me through the rest of the game. Yeah, and like, I think... What I liked most about her as well is the like the layer of humor that she added on to the rest of the gameplay at certain points. Go ahead, Mel. You, you know what you know what it really was too? It was uh it was more so you finally found someone that looked like pleasant and not scary. So in between all the horror moments and you being terrified, you finally found someone like, Oh my god, okay, I can just look at this pleasant screen of this young lady just talking to me saying, Okay, do this objective, do this objective. Where you didn't have to worry about things chasing you. Not only that she also comes with a Pokedex that you get to carry throughout the game <laughs> to unlock different sections. I, I love that little machine thing that, with amazing battery life, by the way, and like a depth rating way better than any phone we have. So shout out to the year 2100. Hopefully we have those devices. Props to Catherine. Yeah. Props to Pokedex Catherine. Um, so what happens is Catherine is like, hey, you need to come to me at site Lambda, which is one of the nine sites on Pathos 2, which you, you aren't exactly clear where you are yet. Um, but the thing that really, like, the first big question mark for me, apart from Carl, who was this robot man, who, or robot who thought he was a man, is the the room that you're in, 
um, just begins to flood. And my immediate thought is, oh no, I'm going to get washed away and just wake up uh, like an hour later, washed up on some beach. But no, actually, you get submerged in water and you don't have any issue with breathing underwater. I don't know if you guys thought that immediately, but I'm like, why can I breathe underwater? So I was convinced at this point this is all a hallucination and he has some kind of like maybe schizophrenia or some kind of some kind of advanced uh, condition with those computers that was going on when he was being scanned because it seemed like it was a little futuristic as well. So I, I was can when that happened specifically, I said, okay, he's underwater. He starts like growing a, almost like a water suit as well. I think it was at this point when he kind of gets the, the black skin on his and with it almost looks like a spider suit where he's able to kind of go around underwater and breathe underwater. I said, okay, this is definitely a hallucination. He's like putting all these ideas in his head and the doctor is still scanning the brain to see where his mind is going to go and maybe deleting all of these thoughts. That's where I thought the story was at that point. Yeah, and I think it's really worthwhile to note that when you look at your hands, they start uh, kind of in a hallucination way. They start as real human hands, but then you look at your hands and they're like robotic hands with lights on them yes and that's when i i was just i i was so confused because i'm like is this a traumatic brain injury where am i what is going on am i in prison like i i just i had so many different questions and like hearing my own breath in my ear in almost what sounded like a like a scuba tank just made me even more confused I thought the same thing as Mo. I thought it was like either some sort of hallucination or a bad trip off of the weird tracker fluid that you take right off the start of, am I in some sort of strange experiment? Like that's kind of where my head was at of like, Menshi has set me up. I go in for a brain scan and I'm in some sort of weird experimental drug trial. So you you were not like, hey, this is this is something else. It's just like I'm hallucinating and this is this is a problem. I'll get over it. So that's when you pass through the stations. You you come across a bunch of like hostile robots and then you meet up with Catherine in the flesh at site Lambda, but actually she's not flesh at all, right? <laughs> not, not not at all. It's uh it's essentially like almost like a a, a robot with like an iPad as a face that's kind of broken <laughs> and on the ground with like a broken screen and kind of talking to you. But you hear her voice and it's communicating from this robot and you're like, oh, wait, this wasn't a person talking to me. It's another one of these robots that sound like people. Like what's what's going on? Why does it have such a personality that wants me to do things? It's not like it's not like Siri or like Google Assistant when it talks. It's talking to you as if it's like an actual person. Like there's no delays, nothing. It's just, hey, can you help me? Oh, you're a per- you're a human? Awesome. I was just I'm waiting for someone, blah, blah, blah. So it's a lot of emotion, a lot of emphasis and no pauses. It's a genuine conversation that you've been having the whole time and now you're talking to an iPad. And this this iPad just literally starts telling you like – everything and i don't know about you guys but some of it just went right over my head when she started talking i'm like hold on what do you mean it's not 2015 is is that kind of what you guys thought immediately you didn't clue into that it wasn't 2015 when you found her on the ground talking to you with the face of an ipad (laughs) fair point fair point (laughs) 
Look, the military has done tons of different research, I'm sure. So, like, what if I'm just in, like, a military facility where they have real AIs? DARPA created the internet in the 70s, right? So, what says they can't create AI in the 2015s? Huh? We're uh, in I a think, I, I think I believe them when they, when they said it was, like, the future. Because now, okay, we have some kind of plausible, like, uh, explanation as to what is kind of going on. Like, why no one's alive anymore. Why everything's all broken and futuristic. Um, that's kind of where like the story starts to piece itself together with little bits, and it's, you kind of try to understand what's what's happening from there. Jess, you had you had something you wanted to say. I cu- I cut you off. Plot twist: We're in a bunker under the Denver International Airport, and it's 2015, <laughs> and Catherine is an iPad. <laughs> yeah, literally. Are are you you're making fun of me? Aren't you? No, not no. at all. Okay. So, so we're not in the Denver airport in a bunker. Where are we? Okay, Jacob. So I have no idea where we are, what we are, what's going on. I'm terrified. Monsters are coming to kill me. The lights are always <laughs> off. I'm in pure... To be honest, when I played this entire game, I I had no idea what the story was. One, because I didn't read because I felt like if I read, something's going to eat me. I didn't watch any of the emails or read like listen to all any of the audio clips and emails because something's going to get me i tunnel visioned had a slight walkthrough next to me to let me know where the next objective was sprinted 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 and it wasn't until i actually got a gun in the game that i finally was like oh okay we're not just walking around anymore now we have some firepower and i know that was a little farther down the road when you're underwater and you have to take down that robot and they're like hey here's this like electric speed gun zap something up so in terms of like what's going on right now, I'm a total blur because the first half, I kind of wish to like, get me out of here. Let me just live for the next 10, 15 minutes. So where are we, Jacob? Where are we? Just do you, do you know where we are or no? I have, I have no idea where we are at this point. I'm walking around the underwater floor. There are lights. There are power lines. There are weird growths everywhere. I have, I have no idea where we are. Okay, so what Catherine ends up telling you is like she, and and this went mostly over my head the first time, but she's like, hey, Earth, there's been a huge meteor strike and almost everyone on the surface of the planet is dead. Um, You are not a real, you are not a, and again, this is, this is where the spoiler starts. So if, if you're still listening and you haven't played the game, you, you should probably stop right now. But, um, she reveals that you're, a robotic copy of yourself from 2015 and that it's like the year 2104 and that after you died you you basically died a month after your scan but you gave permission for um the original doctor to use your brain scan in further research and what happened was your consciousness was transferred to at this point, all that you're kind of told is this robotic diving suit and that this copy of your consciousness is now in this robotic diving suit. That's a very, that's like a nice way of saying you've become a USB stick and we <laughs> might use you in the future or you might be in a shoebox for the rest of eternity. And that, that's kind of when Catherine says like, hey, I'm also one of these things because I'm on this, like, my consciousness is on this Omni-Tool that you're carrying around now. Yeah, and the Omni-Tool being the Pokedex. 
yes, the, the Pokedex that you carry around with you. And at this point, I'm just, my mind is absolutely blown. And I just, I, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. I'm, I'm just like, I, I'm not human. I'm a robot. You're a robot. AIs. What? Yeah. I, I had initial, like once, once you kind of get, get that information, I kind of had the matrix vibe. Like it's the mo- the monsters are taking over. They're trying to like defeat us. For anyone who hasn't seen the Matrix, it's a similar kind of storyline. The the you're pretty much a simulation, and the robots are controlling everything. Because you don't have all the pieces to the puzzle yet, that's kind of where my brain was. I'm like, okay, I'm a simulation. This is kind of like Matrix like. So mo- robots are all bad people, but still, I'm like, I haven't seen a scary monster yet. These are all kind of mechanical walking beings. I'm good. I'm good. This game isn't as scary as everyone is saying. And then I was rudely awoken later on. And that's when you started to make notes, right? Because I think what you said before we came on was that I made so many notes, guys. Yeah. My my notes specifically start after we take down the first, I guess, robot underwater. Um, so once we get to there, I'm just going to be spitting out a bunch of different things that I just randomly wrote down. Um, but actually I think the first one I have right here kind of is applicable at this point because everything is so creepy and I've walked away from the game a couple times already until now. I felt like this game was, it's, it's, this might be a little far-fetched, but I felt like it was a total like VR experience even though I was playing it on a regular monitor on a computer because when I held that mouse, when I held that keyboard, I was the main character. I was terrified. I knew I was safe in my apartment. I'm just living my life every single day. But whenever I played this game, it was one of the first games where I felt like completely submerged with the audio, with the jittery screen, with the monsters jumping at you that like I needed to physically let go of the keyboard and the mouse to escape it and not be in that world because I felt my like I was in danger throughout it. So what ends up happening from there is... <sighs> the whole rest of the story starts unraveling because obviously you need to like, at first you're like, Hey, I need to get off this, this pathos too. But then almost immediately Catherine tells you what she wants to do. And you almost ignore your desire to like, Hey, I need to get out of here to let's actually do what Catherine tells me to do. And what she starts explaining is that her last kind of desire was to load humanity onto what she is called the Ark, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, Jess, what is the Ark? So the Ark is essentially this black box copied version of humanity where it's like instead of Catherine existing in her robot iPad being her cognitive ability is like transferred to this machine where like humans are in this idyllic state of living and it's like it's almost like like the vr version for humanity like obviously like tying into like noah's ark right that's probably where they were going with this from a naming perspective oh yeah oh 100 percent, jacob uh, you coming in clutch yeah so th- that's what they want to do is they want to basically preserve the human race and that's what Catherine's Catherine's like main goal was as the crew realized that they were they were basically the last humans on earth as the the earth burned above the ocean yeah and they they wanted to fire this ark 
into space so that way it's away from all the the monsters they wouldn't destroy it and people can live happily in a simulation because all of their minds are in that that arc and i i think at this point it's worthwhile to go in and like uncover the other half of this story because surprise there are like two huge sci-fi plots that are almost at odds with each other this whole entire time there's chaos happening on earth but there's also chaos happening on pathos too correct i don't think i really understood the motivation for the wow like i knew that that i I kind of understand that they're they're trying to make humans like survive as much as possible so they're fusing them onto like machinery and keeping their like i keeping them alive in that way but it it didn't really make sense to me like what, what why were they fusing humans to things whereas in the matrix they were using them for energy to kind of keep them keep themselves alive this one almost seemed like it was a noble cause that they were doing but they were still trying to kill humans or kill simon what like why did they want the actual arc to kind of leave Jess, did you did you kind of get what was going on with the with the wow at all? With the wow, I feel like they didn't delve into why like the sentient ability had gone so awry. Like I, I feel like they didn't really explain like the malicious intent behind why it was like spurring you know so much destruction. Am I am I wrong on that? No, so like I, because it comes very quickly. It's like, hey, this wow is going to preserve humanity. And like many other science fiction stories, like at first the AI's goals are noble or like the AI's goals are very binary. It's like save humanity. But somewhere along the way, it just gets kind of muddied. Um, What's interesting is you basically have to read some of the messages in the game, but also there's a, there's a mini series. So if you're interested in like diving into this universe a little bit more, if you go on the YouTube channel for, um, for fractional games, um, what you'll find is that there's an eight episode, almost like a mini series called transmission that actually fills in some of the backstory that happens with the, the, crew of on pathos 2 and a lot of it ties to you know the the um origin of what happened with the wow the uh what's going on with structure gel like it, it kind of dives into that a little bit but like in me it, it in my mind it's like this catastrophic impact event happens it wipes out all the life on the surface of the planet and from there the wow goes oh no i need to now preserve humanity and that's when like things start to get dark um for the uh the people on uh, on pathos 2 yeah so essentially the objective for the entire game is you're trying to find this arc to preserve all of humanity monsters are coming to kill you which we'll definitely dive into uh, and you find yourself all the way at the end of the route confronting the last human on earth and this is where you get another moral decision where you're confronted with sarah lindwell who is kind of sitting there protecting the arc she's the last human alive and she's kind of questioning your motives like why are you grabbing this why are you looking for the ark what's going on she doesn't know who you are and i don't know about you guys but once you're kind of confronted with her i wasn't too sure about the motives either uh i'll throw this out there right now i i was kind of starting to believe that catherine was maybe the bad guy here and she's kind of making me do this so that all of humanity is destroyed or what it really was i wasn't completely convinced because of how 
hesitant this like last human was on like what I was doing until I actually was given the arc. Did you guys, what, what was your, I don't, I know the story's kind of filled in by different like points in the game, but did you guys have an idea of like what was going on? Did you have any doubt, I guess? Of all the, the moral crossroads that you end up in the game, I was just blindly following whatever Cath- whatever Catherine said. Like whatever Catherine <laughs> guided me to do, I was doing it. If she had said cuz at one point like you get you get the you get the choice to either end Sarah's life or walk away. And had Catherine instructed me to do one or the other, I probably would have just I would have just agreed with it. I had no doubt in my mind. I was I was gung ho for the arc. I, I think I didn't I didn't fully trust Catherine. Um, I I thought at at the last minute like I was gonna get a very like <laughs> kind of like our crackdown episode um, from from last time um, when you have that kind of unreliable narrator that the at the end of the game spoilers for crackdown uh, is that this person actually was evil all along and you just did all of their bidding like I thought for a second that like she was lying to me and that the arc was secretly this like virus that was going to infect the whole earth. And I guess that's just like the glass half empty version of myself thinking that everyone is bad in games when they're narrating and telling me to do things. Um, but uh, for me, I, I want to talk, I want to put a pin in it. Um, we're going to talk about it right afterwards, but switching bodies was a big deal for me. Yes. I put a pin in it. Um, but uh, the, having Sarah Lindwall there, that to me was one of the four or five moments in the game where my mouth was just like a gape. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, every single human that I've met before this has been either like attached to a wall, um, basically being held alive by the wow and by structure gel. In some instances, like you'll look on the ground and there'll be like a crew member of the, of pathos Two, just like, clumped in a ball and like their whole chest cavity is open and they're basically being like connected to the the ship via like these hoses and they've got like machine parts keeping them alive and that's the first time in the whole game that you see a an unmutated like unrobotic human being and i i almost couldn't believe it that i was seeing someone outside of toronto and you're given the choice of Hey, like, I'm sick. I'm basically being kept alive by life support. Now that the Ark is in my, in someone else's possession, do you either, like, leave her to, leave her there by herself, or do you decide to end her life? Yeah. And not only that, you also discover by then that you are also, like, a robot. You see your physical body because of Jacob, and you mentioned that body switch moment. And a lot of that conversation, too, is like, I th- and maybe that's the reason why I'm not, I wasn't too believe, I wasn't believing Catherine that much, but it's more so because she understood her, where, where she was, who she was, and she accepted her like existence and how it was. Whereas we were like, okay, but there's no body, there's no person, blah, blah, blah. But with her, she's like, what do you mean? Like your, your mind exists in one location, that's you in that state. If it exists in another, it's you in another state. They're not the same person, they're separate, but they're all both you. That's kind of where they they play with that a lot. And this human is finally the last one and it doesn't have that problem. That human is that human. It's not the human from 10 years ago. It's not someone that died and came back to life. That's someone that was born recently and they're still the same person. No copies whatsoever. Yeah. And, and so she's in, um, I think, Tao. 
um, site Tau, which is one of the, the very last areas in the game. And one of her old, um, like crewmates, Jin, is this scary mutated squid man that is essentially guarding her and tr- not guarding her on purpose, but like he's between you and her. So you have to like get past Jin, which involves like you running through like Tao while Jin is chasing you. And then you go around into the infirmary, which you have to unlock, but you go in there and that, like I said, she has no idea. Sarah has no idea that she is the last human being. One, she knows what's going on on the surface, but she thinks that there are still other people alive on other stations. And you're the bringer of bad news where you're like, no, I've been here. I've been there. I've been to all of the other sites. And guess what? You're it. You're the only living non-mutated thing that I've met along the way. So I was just like, my mouth was agape by the choice. Just like being given the choice to end humanity as you know it with one like quick flip of a switch, I think was a pretty like, was a moment with a lot of gravity in this one. No, 100%. There's a lot of moments that kind of kept me like buzzing right at the end. I think the biggest one was that the loading um, of like your data onto the ship. That one felt very like, uh, uh-huh. but do we, do we want, I just want to ask like what you did with did you kill Sarah or did you keep her alive? No, I definitely, I definitely uh, uh, put her to sleep. Um, I, I to be honest, with any decision like that in almost every game I've ever played, I usually pause the game, and <laughs> I jump to Google and I see like what are the repercussions. I know you shouldn't. I know you're supposed to like just pick a decision and move forward, but I always just want to see like I already know the thing I want to do, and it, maybe it doesn't influence me unless you unlock like a c- cool weapon or something. Um, but I looked it up and essentially came down to like, there was an actual genuine discussion in the little comment section I found. One guy was like, she's the last human. There's no other like male. There's no other person to like save the species or anything. If that's like the one thing on your mind, she has like lived her life just for this one moment to pass on the ark. She is living on life support. There is no food in sight. You don't need food because you're a robot and she does. So like, what are you doing? You're just continuing the suffering all the way through. I think the most humane way in that situation, the end of the world, she's she's at peace with her decision as well. It's not like you're doing it against her will. I I took her life. Jess, I couldn't do it. No, could, no way. Bravo. I, I couldn't do it. I didn't do it. And like Jacob, I don't know. Like de- depending on what you did, you have this moment where you turn around to leave the room. And she cries out and she says, don't leave me alone. <gasps> no That's way. terrible. And you just walk out the door. I can't believe that. No, I, I killed her. Jess, I'm- so she, she's literally <laughs> sitting there right now. The game she's, came out in 2015. And she's, she's still starving. waiting. She's sitting in there waiting. And this is <laughs> suffering. I don't know. No one else can see my face, but my again, my mouth, I'm just like, I can't believe. And just the way the sound is designed in this game, you know, with all the different footstep sounds. And I mentioned earlier how um, Carl was screaming. Like, I can't imagine how heart-wrenching that was for you to be like, I'm going to walk away because, like, I don't believe in killing you. Like, I'm not going to euthanize you. Holy smokes. Yeah, if, uh, yeah, well, it's it's cool because at least one of us did that so we could see the other side uh, but holy 
you have another choice very like right before this that kind of leads you to Tao. And I think it's really important that we, we cover it. So essentially, um, right before you get to Tao, uh, Catherine lets you know that you have to go like really deep in the ocean in order to like, you have to go down to one of the deeper sites to actually retrieve the ark. And with the current body that you have, you actually can't, um, you can't go down there without like essentially like bursting or like having your, the pressure be too much for your suit. So when you're on, um, uh, I, I, basically the, the spot before Tau, um, you have to find a new body, right? So it's a fetch quest where you have to go and you have to fetch three parts. Um, one of the, one of the least, my least favorite parts of the game happens here where you essentially have to like go around part of the, um, one of the stations, turn on like a server and then avoid this, um, this creature that's chasing you around in a maze. Um, didn't really love it, but once you retrieve those three items, um, Catherine tells you, okay, you're ready to transfer to this new body. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but do you, did you realize what you were actually transferring yourself into? Um, it wasn't it like a humanoid gel, like creature, like every other monster that's in a submarine suit kind of. Yeah, so essentially like Imogen Reed, who was I think that's her name. I- Imogen is one of your one of the crewmates and essentially her body is still in the suit, yeah, except for her head. So what you end up doing is you put like um like a cortex chip, which is almost like the brain of the robot, you put it in this fleshy body, fill it with structure gel, and from there you can transfer yourself into into this new body. Yeah, and that's kind of like it, uh, this. This game always just kind of keeps pre- pressing this idea. Like Catherine doesn't care about like the body itself. She's like, whatever, just put a new mind. It's just a vessel for the person. The person is the person. The vessel is the vessel. So the person, the, the actual vessel itself, was one of her friends. If if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, it's like one of her yeah. good friends. And she's like, oh, it's that person's body. Oh, I, I that was one of my friends. Cool, move on. And she kind of was like, whatever. Whereas your guy is like, what do you mean you knew this person? Like, what, what's, what, how am I going to steal this person's body? This is a person. And she's like, no, person's really not there. Like, you're the person that's going to become that person kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, this, this is one of the, the, again, Jess, you talked about how much this moral, the last moral choice with, well, whether or not to kill Sarah Lindwald was a very, like, impactful one to you. This is the moment when you transfer bodies. This was the moment when I like I just I had to pause it because I could not believe what had just happened. She kept saying transfer, transfer, right? And these brain scans essentially like digitize the mind and transfer it into a new body. But what I didn't realize is that you actually don't transfer a consciousness, you copy it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even the character doesn't like this whole idea, and you don't like it just as much. I'm assuming. Yeah, so you're you're in this new body, and you hear like your other self talking, and Simon, like Simon three, as you know, some people in some of the message boards have called him. So Simon one was Toronto. Simon two was the first body. Simon three is this other is this second body. Simon three is like what. Catherine, 
what do you mean? I thought I was being transferred. And that's when she starts to go through like, no, I never lied to you. Like you're being, you're being copied, not transferred. And she explained this whole idea of the, the coin flip. Did, did you guys catch that? And were you as blown away at this point? <laughs> like as I was, I was floored. Yeah. It's funny because it was conceptually, like it was something that I feel like I've seen before and other games or like films like you guys have both seen the prestige <laughs> yes love that movie <laughs> the prestige so uh, spoiler alert but basically the end of the movie reveals that to complete the act as a magician the magician has to make the decision to kill himself every night and it's a coin flip where he doesn't know which side he's going to come out on and this was that same kind of moral question of you know, is the being that I am now more important than the being that I potentially could be? I, I think it was right off the bat where he takes the helmet off and it twists. And there's like, just like the gruesomeness of it was really what floored me as well. What do you mean you t- took off the helmet and the, the gruesome, the twist? When he what? initially opens the locker and finds the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, like, when he realizes, like, that, like, his, his, um, when he realizes that he's going to be transferred into another person's being, like, when that conversation starts, that's where my mind was just blown. That, like, you're essentially, like, being transferred as a, like, adding a robot to a human flesh, and then you're being transferred into that robot body, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think for me it was the like I I look in the chair and I realize that like no he's still moving <laughs> that's still me but it's not me and that she says that when you transfer your consciousness this copy there's this coin flip and that's when and again I, this is where I kind of go like eh, with the coin flip it seemed like a little contrived. It had to be put in there for the game's sake. Um, but like you do this coin flip and either you, you as you are transfer into this new body or you stay as you are in the old body. And in this case, from Simon two to Simon three, you go into the new body and the old body is left behind. And what Catherine says is, Hey, this body, it'll wake up in a few days. Um, it's fine. And that's when you start to freak out and go like, no, he's going to be scared by himself. What the hell, Catherine? Yeah, that, that I I was kind of um, I was kind of okay with the entire concept, just because I felt like even you, as you, uh, Simon too, you're not really Simon relative to Simon Toronto. So it's like if I'm going to be another person, you know what? Let's just enjoy this moment that I have. Um, I'm a robot. If I die, I die. My 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 body will continue on so when i saw my body sitting there simon too uh in the in the transfer seat i was like okay let's keep the mission going simon three is going to be moving on with a new body come um, on man just i was be- losing my mind well it's it's almost like you know what what's what's that going to benefit like at the end of the day you can lose your mind or you can continue on with the mission to like save your actual exist like like especially in the end when you realize that coin flip happens and you stay behind and your consciousness goes up into the arc, the character was having the same reaction. Like, what is, you said we're supposed to be transferring, and then she kept saying, "What do you mean? It was a copy. We we're doing the copy thing. You're staying here, and your copy is staying in space." 
me as a player, I was like, okay, cool. That was the objective. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to suffer, but at least I know that my actual consciousness is going to have a great life over there. I, and, and Sorry, this is, gonna, this is kind of sparking up another thing. This whole, did the robots have pain? Do they, like, when they get hurt or, like, die, do they, like, do they choke on water, under like, underwater? Like, do they suffocate, I mean, sorry. So I was always like, you know what, if I'm a robot, if my consciousness goes off, it's just like pressing a power button. Okay, power off. It's, yeah, I, but, but I, I you don't mixed. know that, right? You don't yeah. know that. 100%. Um, do, do you want to go and just kind of re-explain um, the end? Because I think that there's there's some things that happen along the way, but I think I want, let, let's continue this thread of like, you know, we talked about transferring into the third body, going deep. That's when you see Sarah decide whether or not to kill her. She gives you the arc. And then what do you do with the arc? What is kind of your final um, your final piece of the game to get the arc out into space? Um, okay. Um, I think I should also touch on the, the buttholes that were kind of everywhere. Where Did you, you say <laughs> the, the buttholes? Yeah. The cat buttholes. <laughs> Okay, so oh no! Just, just Tell to us some, about the cat buttholes, Mo. So to give some context, throughout the game, there's these like alien spores that are like on different areas of the game. I still did never understood what they did because as you keep advancing, there's like an interact button that says, "Hey, click on this like mon- not monster, but like essentially it's like a giant space butthole <laughs> that you have to put." And I'm sorry, this sounds gruesome, but there's no. Well, if you look this up and you haven't played this game, you're gonna be like, "Yep, it's a cat butthole." So you put your fist inside of this butthole and like the screen kind of shakes and power sometimes goes out and it the game doesn't even explain what's really happening. I think till midway through the guys your, your character is just like, "Yeah, I don't know. I just I just want to do this." And I was like, "Okay, this is awkward, but whatever. It's going to have some kind of meaning at the end." So the reason why I say that is cuz in the end, you're finally confronted with like the king butthole and <laughs> You're, you're you're told essentially, hey, like your bodysuit has the poison to destroy the WoW. Put your hand in this butthole, and it's going to destroy the the monsters, and you're going to be able to like save humanity that way. Coming from a monster thing that was the most terrifying I found in almost the entire game, speaking to you the entire time, saying, hey, destroy it, do it, do it now. I'm assuming everyone here put their hand in there, but. Uh, I'll ask you, Jacob. Did you put your hand in the king butthole? So, so um, a few things. So those, 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 like those pods that you fist. Pods, very I, safe. I, I don't know the pods that you fist. God, we're getting worse. You, you, you tried to make it better, <laughs> <laughs> and I did not make it any better. Um, those, those won't affect you guys because you're in safe mode, right? So for me, not being in safe mode. If a monster grabbed me, because, yo, some of the monsters can grab you, and just I'm going to come back to this later, because I know you texted me once, and you were like, ah! When you, when you fist the pods, um, that's when you get your health back. So ah. if you get attacked by a monster, um, you'll actually, like, your screen will turn red, you'll move slower, you'll limp. But if you put your, your fist in one of these um, one of these pods, you actually heal yourself. Um, going back to a Christopher Nolan, another Christopher Nolan movie, Batman Begins, um, this enemy, um, who like almost like is in your visions. Um, he's very similar to the way the scarecrow is in Batman Begins. 100%. Great, great, great. Where you're like that fear toxin is causing you to hallucinate and you see this, this mutated creature in front of you and he's, um, his name is Dr. Jonah Ross. 
and what he explains to you throughout hallucinations and throughout whispering in the game. And at some points you'll look on screens and like the screens will flash and like certain messages will come up on the screen. So he's kind of in charge of all of those hallucinations. And he explains to you that the structure gel that, um, you know, is kind of dripping off some of the walls throughout all of Pathos 2. Um, that's the thing that's actually causing all of these mutations. And it's the way that the wow is actually controlling, um, controlling, um, dead and undead, um, creatures. So, Going back to what you said, Mo, um, you kind of, you're walking along the ocean floor in a lot of this game. And as you're kind of making it to the arc for the final time, you take this detour and he, like you said, is like, put your, put your hand in the king cat butthole and then you'll be able to poison the wow and, and like, I guess end it. This to me was one of the threads that I just was not like, it's almost the thing that I, that I like, I didn't dislike anything about this game. Well, I kind of dislike some of the tediousness, but like, this is the thing that I was just like, uh, okay. Like, this is a weird, like, third, like, sci fi plot that they're trying to fit in here, but okay. Um, I put my fist in the cat butthole. Was there an option to not put your fist in the cat butthole? Like, was there an alternate <laughs> option? Um, I looked it up because it was another one of those decisions where I press start button and uh, I look up the options. So if you, I think you, if you don't do it, you just don't lose your hand. If you do, you lose your hand and the animation just throughout the rest of the game. Like when you're climbing a ladder, you have your hand. Don't quote me on that, but I think that was the only difference. And someone mentions it like, holy crap, like what happened to your hand? But that's it. Mm. I think Catherine actually asks you, but because we all got our butts or our fists chopped off by the butthole after we destroyed everything <laughs> we all kind of had the same experience uh, from there so i guess from there um you kind of move on and you uh, enter the final location uh, is that alpha jacob site alpha yeah there's there's omicron and there's site alpha and what's cool and one thing that we haven't really talked about um this game is so dense is walking on the ocean floor I don't know if you guys felt this way, but the first time that I was walking on the ocean floor and actually subsequent times, especially when you're going deep underwater, I was, I was so like enamored by the setting because it's not often. I can't think of many other games that you're, you're able to kind of explore the depths of the ocean like that. Maybe in the game app zoo, Bioshock, Bioshock a little bit. But like actually walking the ocean floor, having fish around you, and in some cases, some super mutated underwater creatures around you was so freaking cool and so wild. I don't know if you guys came across the giant squid and like the giant mutated anglerfish in this game. The anglerfish was probably my most hated (laughs) monster. I wa- Do you want to tell us why? So playing in safe mode, I developed a strategy where I could basically just scream and run directly into enemies without worrying <laughs> that I was going to hurt myself. So when I saw the anglerfish, I had the same reaction of, I'm probably going to just be able to walk right by him. And I went right into his mutated anglery fish face and was completely stunned. Okay, so I had to actually Google an angular fish because I'm like, I didn't see a fish, and it's the creepy deep water fish at the very end. Yeah. So uh, this kind of leads me to some of my notes. My biggest one was underwater <laughs> is safe, have fun. 
because I found that in, especially earlier on in the earlier levels when you're underwater, th- there was that like robot thing that would like kind of get you if you're walking around. But really, you're just kind of exploring, having fun in the ocean floor. And then the water got murky and you got super underwater. And that's when that thing kind of jumped up. But in my head, I'm like, it's way better than those creepy monsters. I can punch that fish in the face and I'll be <laughs> I'll be safe and kind of not not too worried about it. Um, it was pretty creepy, though. But besides, I, I, because of all the trauma that happened throughout the other monsters, the fish, I wasn't afraid. By the way, why couldn't we have, like, a left hook or, like, a front kick as, like, an ability? Because <laughs> I feel like some of these, like... Some of these monsters, that one of the creepiness th- creepy thing about them is you're just helpless against them. You can't do anything. But you have limbs. You're made of metal. You could do serious damage. But I guess that would like kind of spoil the whole point of the game is you're supposed to feel helpless. But I really I wish I had something. Mo, you wanted to like one-punch man some of these robots, right? Oh, 100%. I could one-punch them. I could Kamehameha them. I can fire up a Rasengan. Shout out to Naruto. We're going to use all the abilities today. Is there any other anime you'd like to sneak in while Mike is not here? Because I know he would he would probably shut you down at this point. Um, I think I've I've had my fun, and he might be listening and cringing. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, yeah, because it's it's worthwhile to note that like there's no combat in this game except for a small section where you get a gun to kill another robot to take his parts away. But again, there's no like combat. So in non-safe mode, in normal mode. You even get attacked in the deep ocean by like piranhas. Like there oh. are piranhas that will attack you if you don't stay on the path where there's the blue and red lights that say like, hey, go towards the elevator or go towards your final location. If you get off that path where there's no light, that's when you can get attacked by like just normal fish. Uh, uh, even Even playing in safe mode... Like there was still that screen blur if you ran into an enemy, so you still t- you took a hit where you would have screen tearing and you would have the flashing red health around the border of your screen, but it would just wear off and you didn't need to actually find any of the the buttholes to recharge yourself. Um, but you still did take that hit. But did they come after you aggressively? Because I know, like example, like Jin, um, the the creature that's. That's um, Jin is the name of the guy who's mutated protecting Sarah Linwald. He will actually pick you up. So imagine he's like a seven foot dude and his face is just covered with like a, a squid face. He will pick you up and put his squid face in your face and just like imagine that there's like a <laughs> and then like a squid face goes and attacks your, your first person camera. Would you guys have lost your minds if that would have happened to you? Um, 100%. I think now that we're starting to talk about some of these monsters, I can bring up that this, this game had like almost my childhood recurring nightmares brought to life, specifically <laughs> the picking up. So I used to, I'll, I'll just get, let's get, let's get a little personal here. Um, when I was younger, I used to have this nightmare where like I'd be asleep and all of a sudden something would come pick me up and like take me away. And what I came to found out like when I grew up is usually when I fell asleep on the couch, my dad would come pick me up and like put me to bed and like tuck me in. But in my dream, as I was happening, I, it was like a giant scary monster that just came and just grabbed me from the hallway and like put me to sleep. There was that one. Um, another one is I felt like another reoccurring nightmare I'd usually have would be I'd see like a figure and everything would get all dark and shake and it'd come attack you. So this game, a lot of the times when something's coming near you, the game kind of statics and like jigs and jags. It looks like there's some screen tearing and your GPU is kind of acting up to tell you that, hey, 
a monster is nearby. So that kind of, to me, reminded me of like, oh my god, I'm going to die. It's another nightmare. And I almost had, didn't want to go to sleep that night when I was playing that game. Um, yeah. Just, just that, like you said, the visual and the music cues when you're like about to... Um when you're about to be attacked, like your screen starts like buzzing almost like an old TV would and you start to get this creepy music. Like it was, it was so despite in my mind, like being a survival horror game, that's more about the story. And there aren't a lot of those or a few of those I could name, but like story first, just the, the, the way the, the monster design was done. Like, sure. It was a little bit tedious to have to run from these guys, but like, it was super cool to like feel like, yeah, I escaped. I got away from the nasty monster. So I, I think at this point we've kind of gone through a lot of what happened. You know, you find out what's gone on with Earth. You find out what's gone on with, with Pathos 2 as far as the WoW controlling everything. You found out about the Ark. You've got the Ark. You bring the Ark to um, this uh, Site Phi, which has like the a space gun on it and your last kind of piece of the story is that you um decide that you have to load the arc with your with your like your newest the newest version of your consciousness as well as the newest version of Catherine's consciousness and send it up into space because the thought is like if we keep it on the planet it's only going to last you know maybe 10 15 years who knows the wow might take it and destroy it but if we shoot it off into space with the solar panels that are on it it could last for a thousand years right and mo this is when you're kind of the the final sequence of the game that left me awestruck happens right yeah essentially um it's it's even it, just slightly before that sorry is when you actually find Catherine's dead body um before you kind of so once you load the actual arc into like the nuclear missile kind of thing you use the crane to lift the missile into the actual firing cannon supposed to shoot it over you find that you you've actually see Catherine's original body dead on the ground and when you hit the interaction it seems like there was some hesitation initially for when they were supposed to be loading the arc some people didn't want to fire it away and she's like no this is my life project and it seems like she was almost like hit in the head with a a wrench and murdered and she's she has no real memory of that so it almost seems like a copy of her was put on there obviously before the launch so she's like oh i'm dead why did they kill me blah 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 and that's when eventually you're like okay that should have been your first clue that like hey there's copies of people it's not the actual person being transferred um, because you're talking to Catherine right now, but there's also a Catherine that's dead on the ground. So you walk up to the machinery, you load everything up, and you c- keep questioning, like, okay, like when do we jump on the arc? When do we jump on the arc? She's like, don't worry, we'll do it at the same time. Once we hit the button to launch, we'll both like be transferred onto the arc. In my head here, I was also second guessing. I'm like, something is up. Like this machine's gonna blow up or something. We're not gonna be transferred on here. So you, as you're doing it, a counter kind of starts ticking down, tick-tock, 30 seconds left, and you see that Catherine's being loaded slowly and slowly, and you're like, holy crap, Like at this rate, I'm not going to be loaded. And it finally completes Catherine's, and then there's like 10 seconds left out of the 30, and it's supposed to load you, and you're just like tick-tocking, tick-tocking, one second away, and all of a sudden it quickly loads you in, and you're like, yes, yes, launched! Missile gets launched, think of the screen flashes a couple times, and the machine opens up, and you're still there. And you're freaking out. What, like, did I make it? I thought I said loading, blah, blah, blah. And you're asking Catherine, like, you told me. It's going to be transferred. We're going to be transferred. And she's like, 
do you not pay attention to pretty much at all? Like, this is the exact same thing happening. Like, it's we, there's a copy of you on there. She, you should be happy. And he's like, what do you mean I should be happy? I'm stuck here forever. What's going on? Correct me if I'm wrong here. She eventually just disappears. No, no, no. You hit the screen or something and her consciousness, like, disappears from the computer. You're all alone. Everything goes dark. Hit the cutscenes. Uh, well, this would be Simon 3 is all alone. I guess forever in the bottom of this pit. Simon four, the one on the arc, is in space. As we're assuming, like survived and all happy. Catherine three, so many numbers, is also in space. Catherine two, the one you've been talking with this whole time, is kind of broken and doesn't exist digitally anymore. I guess because you broke the computer system. So I think what happens there is in the middle of their conversation, she actually overloads from anger. Oh is what pops up. So the frustration of talking to Simon and him accusing of her of lying, like she overloads and she just circuits out. Wow. And that for me, I think was probably the darkest moment of the entire game when it leaves Simon sitting in the chair by himself, by himself. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I, I was like, again, this game just like had me awestruck probably four or five different times because of what was happening in the story. And this was definitely the moment it started when my immediate, my immediate thought was like, Catherine's loading first. She's going to leave me behind. Like she's, she's a villain. She 100%. did this all along. She's like, she's going to laugh at me from the arc and just go, ha 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 ha. Goodbye. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen. And when I loaded, I immediately, again, forgot because you have that, like, I don't want to call her, like, she is not an untrustworthy narrator, but, like, I almost think she's unreliable or, like, she, she, you're just so focused on moving forward and getting the next thing that you don't remember, like, hey, my consciousness doesn't transfer it's a copy and again going back to that that contrived like coin flip you you lost the coin flip and you are now you know your copy is simon four is on the arc and in space you're here and Catherine is just very chill about it at first she's just like it's fine you know we're good we save humanity like part of us lives on and again simon just like loses loses it and then incredibly dark just by himself credits happen and then you actually end up on the arc like you said mo i don't know if you guys did you guys do the survey when you were on the arc yes mo did you do the survey no so what was a really cool thing for me was that you can actually do that survey on pathos 2 and the survey is like an eight question survey and it essentially just asks you like, hey, how do you feel about like living on on uh, the arc? Do you feel any different? Like it's essentially assuming that you're going to be on the arc and it's just like a survey to be like, how do you feel? Are you okay with this? Do you want to die? And so I did that one on Pathos 2 and answered it in a different way. And then when I was on the arc, because I was still kind of in awe, I answered it almost exclusively like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, I'm fine with humanity living on digitally. No, I'm I'm good. I don't need to die. Like it was such like an automatic response. And it was a very cool way to end the game to be like, oh, like I'm actually almost living as Simon 4 where I'm totally okay with this. I'm just going to go find Catherine and be cool. 
And then you walk off into the sunset with Catherine three. And you just see the satellite leaving behind earth. That's just like scorched and destroyed. And that's when the, the game actually ends. And when you go to the menu again, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in a lot of games, and I, I thought this was probably deliberate on their part, like kind of fitting in with the, the idea of copies and consciousness, you actually can't continue your game from there. Like if you want to play again, you have to start over completely. I, this, when did this happen? Right, like when, when it boots back to the main menu, you actually can't hit continue on the game anymore. You have to start a new game. I I think I didn't go through this because as soon as I see a f- like executive producer or whatever credits hit, I alt F4 and I never open the game ever again. So, oh, oh no. so you missed it, Mo. I'm not, this isn't a Marvel movie. I'm not waiting to the end. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, you know, Jess and I were texting last night and um, I, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to, I'm not selling you out, but like, some of your messages were were quite funny last night. Um, uh, I got a, a crying face. I sent a crying face, and then I sent flat, hashtag flip a coin, and then you sent me a wide eyed emoji. But I made sure to warn you, like, hey, stay after the credits, right? Yes, you did. Yeah, uh, and isn't it worth it? So, yeah. So what what exactly happens quickly? So it's there, you see Earth or something? Yeah. So you just see Earth like. You're on this satellite on the Ark, and you just see the Earth in the background just, like, destroyed, like, scorched um, from the meteor that hit it. So Catherine wasn't lying. Gotcha. Gotcha. The survey on Pathos 2, though, is the neatest, sneakiest piece of foreshadowing in this game for me. Because I remember taking the survey and thinking almost nothing of it, like it was just another piece of computer software that you're interacting with. So to redo that survey after the credits, like, I, I think that's when I sent you, I think that's actually when I sent you the wide-eyed emoji. And I was like, what? Just because you were, like, so, it was so cool that they did that? Like, is that is that what it was? Because I that think... they foreshadowed so well? I think that first survey happens on Pathos 2 within the first hour and a half of the game. So it comes into play when you have no idea, like, contextually what it means. And then to see it again at the end, if you saw it, if you stuck through the credits, was was a really cool moment for me as a player. Before we, we get into the final segment of the show, um, it, it's a long one, but I think it's incredibly worth it for us to go through because it is such a dense game. Is there anything that you feel has been missed um, throughout our kind of walkthrough that you want to go through quickly? Um, I want to go through one thing and talk about the the mirror moment. I know we, we talked about it a little bit, but to me, that was one of the coolest, the most surprising moments in the game. Jess, you talked about the survey. But to me, like going in the bathroom and walking up to the mirror and not fully knowing that I was a robot yet and seeing my face was such a cool, surprising moment that was that you could totally skip. Jess, you did it, right? I did it. And to see the reflection, that was definitely one of my top moments as well. Was seeing your face and realizing like, oh, I'm not Simon Jared anymore. What the hell am I? Because you sort of you sort of know at that point, but it's the first time that you're actually seeing the reflection of what it is you are, 
and you see the like the red eyes and the just like the the metal and the broken reflection and it's just like confirmation of everything that's been told to you up to this point yeah and and i guess i am the iron giant is essentially like a, like a small version of the iron giant it's it's such a cool moment mo did you like look at yourself in a bathroom mirror at all no never i didn't explore anything i didn't have to I went straight to objectives. I, I don't think we've emphasized how terrifying this game was. We've skipped a little bit of like the monster stuff and like the lights and everything closing. Sometimes you're navigating and you can't open a flashlight because monsters will come and get you. Um, I had, a, I, I think at the, once I played a third of the game, I definitely had to walk through next to me to kind of help me guide me to the next place without bumping into too many things. Cause I was just expecting jump scares left and right. So. I, I was a total wuss when I played this game because I'm not a fan of horror games and I needed to kind of fight through them as much as possible. I want to say that I was a little let down with the end. Like we, we sort of touched on it with the the cat butthole, but the end <laughs> boss to be like the the setup that it was of like this blob in the corner of the room, like that to me was a dead point. That you wanted so much more from that part that they'd set up and it just like totally underdelivered for you. Yeah, that completely fell flat for me. Like I feel like all of the other monsters that you encountered throughout the game were so much scarier than this end sentient octopus thing against the wall. Like it just it it, it did nothing for me. I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm just gonna run away as soon as this is done. Like it, it just didn't cap off any of the horror that I feel like was built throughout the beginning of the game. So I think a lot of it was because it was a tease almost because there was like bosses. You find this final one. You're almost in like a traditional arena for a final boss. And all it is is just sitting there and you walk up to it. It doesn't attack you. Well, initially. And you just kind of press an interact button and that's it over. All the bad stuff is essentially done. When like, yeah, it's you're expecting something big and it's nothing at all. That's kind of why I, I, maybe that's... That's all. That's why I thought it was a little disappointing in the end too, because maybe like they sh- they kind of braced you for something big, and then now it's like oh, I don't know. The story ending is pretty big, but the actual like gameplay it's it's not a uh, as big as you're expecting. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on, and there's like a, a lot of different story threads. There's like hey, humanity's done. Hey, AI and like consciousness transferring. Also, this wow AI, like rogue AI thing, but then also it's creating like monsters. There was a lot, there was so much to this game. And I feel like out of all the different threads and all the different buckets that, that, that whole like Jonah Ross storyline, like understanding that the structure gel is creating mutations and there's this big boss that is that part of it. I just wasn't like in love with. And that you're like you're like a snake's venom to this to the wow I I didn't yeah, understand yeah. that connection at all. Yeah, it was it was a stretch. Um, Mo Jessica, are you ready to enter the Left Behind Quiz Corner? Yes, yes, yes. Let's get it going. Safe okay, mode, so please. Safe mode, please. So to end this episode, this extra long episode, I have a quiz. It is five questions. Uh, so much like we did in the Ori and the Blind Forest episode um, between myself, Mike, and Nick. Uh, you can check that out on our website at leftbehindgame.club. I'm going to ask these five questions, and then each of you have your own buzzer to buzz in. If you buzz in, and answer the question incorrectly, the other person gets as much time as they want to think about it. Um, I have five questions. 
Are you both ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. What I would like is I would like to hear Moe's buzzer first. Okay, Moe, that's your buzzer. Jessica, what does yours sound like? Okay, so yours is the more annoying one. Okay, we'll start, we'll start with something uh, very simple. So the first question is, what does WOW stand for? What does WOW stand for? Anyone? Please guess. Uh, Mo. Walkers, autonomously ugly. <laughs> Incorrect. Jessica, do you want to give it a shot? Yep. World augmented universe. That is also incorrect. The correct answer is warden unit. Oh. So still still scoreless. We'll we'll keep it simple. Um name the doctor from Pace Laboratories that scanned Simon Jarrett in 2015. <gasps> I know this one. Damn it. Mo. Mo. No, that wasn't me. That was that was just oh, yes. buzzed. Dr. Munchie. Damn it. That's close. That, that is correct. I will give it to you. For for an extra point, what university is he from? That was Mo first. Uh, York University. That is correct. Woohoo! One so one. First one one. We're gonna get more difficult here. Um, more obscure. What's the name of the comic shop that Simon Jarrett works at in Toronto? I'm being really mean. This is actually a really mean quiz. Yes. Anime Extreme. Did that incorrect? Damn it! That's a good one, Jessica. Comics and things. The correct answer is the grimoire. Um, two more. It is still 1-1. One, one. Um, this one has two possible answers. The question is, name one of the two fake corporations in the game. So on a lot of the... Um, I heard Jessica's first. Cartage? That's... I'm going to give it to you. It's Carthage Industries was one of the two fake corporations. Yes, that's one. Mo, you buzzed in next. I'm going to give you the chance at the other one. I was saying Carthage. Okay, that, that is not. Can you name the other one? Can either of you name the other one? Okay, the correct answer was Heimatsu. No okay. chance, no chance, no chance. So it's 2-1 it's going into the final question. Oh. This one... This one is a pretty open-ended one. Oh, this sorry. this is a, this is the 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 big question, and there's many answers to this one. So what I'm going to do is the first person to buzz in is going to be given the first opportunity at the question. We'll go back and forth one and one until you get it wrong. If you get it wrong, you're out, and the other person can continue to answer. Okay. So the oh, question no. is: There are nine sites on Pathos Two. Name them. So that was Mo. that was Mo first. Alpha. That's one of them. Jessica, you get to go next. Lambda. Tau. So hold on, hold on. Lambda. Correct. Tau. Correct. So Jessica. Omicron? Om- Omicron, I will give it to you. Yes. Mo. Uh, phi. Correct. Jessica. Five. Oh, four. No. 
Three, two, Theta is correct. Mo. Epsilon. Epsilon is correct. Jessica, there are two remaining. (gasps) I'm getting like, trying to think of like calculus. Two, one. (laughs) Jessica, your time is up. Mo, if you name one. Wait, what? I need more. Yeah, you need you need both of them to beat Jess. She uh, has Oh no, actually, hold on, hold on. Can I steal? Numbers. No, I you have cannot one more. steal. I have one more. Okay, give me the one more. Wait, no, I guessed one more. So I get 2 points. <laughs> Keep going. There are two left. Name um, the two and you win. Can I steal? You cannot steal. Please, um, please let Mo answer. Uh Uh Three, two. Oh wait, I know one. One. Omega. That is correct. You win, Mo. Yes. You named five. Jessica named three. Um, she was up two one, so you win. Yes. Congratulations on winning the second iteration of the Left Behind Quiz Corner. Your prize is nothing. Thank Aww. you so much for coming out. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. We need to start making like a WWE belt that we can like FedEx to people if they win. <laughs> Or just hand it off when we see each other. But, um, that but essentially, too. that is it. Um, I want to grab Woo! your final thoughts. I'm going to to start with my final thoughts. Um, I was reading up on the game, and I found this quote from Alex Navarro, um, who works at Giant Bomb. He put it on his 2015 Game of the Year list in the number three position, and he had this to say about it. He said... Um, he was talking about how um, this game is similar to um, Fractional's um, other games by saying that it's still a game about horrific monsters chasing you around in the dark, but it's also about consciousness, transhumanism, and alternate definitions of life after death. Instead of wrapping its premise up into a big gotcha-style twist, it signals pretty early on exactly why your character has awakened on an underwater base a 100 years after having his brain scanned in a medical procedure then proceeds to delve deeply into the existential questions his horrifying situation raises. It goes hard on the nature of the conscious mind, the possibilities of its replicability, and how something like that could go grotesquely wrong. This game is amazing. If you are into survival horror games, please play it. This is actually my, my part, not Alex's part. This game is amazing. If you like survival horror, please play it. It is easily one of the best games I've played in the past 12 months. Uh, wow. Jess. I really enjoyed playing this game. I'm very happy that it is over and I don't have to play it anymore and that my heart rate has returned to a regular pulse. But I think for me, it's like the story and the sleuthing around and the interaction with everything and the way that the story unfolded is really like the gold star here. Um, you know, the puzzles themselves were were interesting. This The the scenery was immersive, but for me, it's like the story by and far was the best part of this game. Mo, you're, you're not typically a story guy. Um, what do you think about Soma? Um, I had, I have a few, a few couple thoughts. So, um, initially I didn't think the game was too bad. So if, if any of us, if any of you follow us on Instagram, um, I, I posted a, a nice little clip of me playing the game. My girlfriend was visiting uh, Toronto for a bit. So I had her like emotionally support me as I was playing the scary game, <laughs> but she was scaring me every like couple seconds. So she decided to share that with the world. Um, but the funny thing is I, I kind of found the first little bit, not that scary, but once I played it by myself, that's when I was like, Oh my God, where is she Save me from all of this? Um, I, 
I, I kind of wish this became a movie. I think it'd be a pretty cool story um, without the kind of the really scary monsters as much. I'm sure they can play some kind of role. But I, I appreciated the story. It was pretty good. I was more interested as the game went on. I'm not a horror game guy. I won't play another horror game again because it was just really tough to kind of get through. I just don't like being scared. I'm big, big chicken over here. <laughs> um, story was good. Gameplay was pretty good. I like the interactivity. I actually really like the puzzles that were in the game. Like when you're flipping switches, connecting dials, moving things around. Very, I guess, Zelda-ish or any other puzzle game. Um, the Witness, I think, was one of the games we played on the podcast. If you haven't played it, check that out. It's in one of our previous episodes. I like the puzzles in the game. I like the story. Too scary for my taste. I'm glad I played it, mostly because I can like chat about it now with a bunch of people who have played it, especially on our Discord channel. If you haven't jumped on that, go to our website, leftbehindgame.club, and join the Discord. And I'd love to chat with you about the game, because I feel like we talked a lot about this, but we didn't really... We may not have even scratched the surface. There's probably tons of opinions that other people have, and this is kind of where we take it from there. We jump on there, and we kind of keep the conversation going. Yeah, they they have a, a Discord channel of their own, Frictional Game does. Um, there's a subreddit that there's a lot of like talk still about the game. So like, come in our Discord, chat about Soma. Um, if you're looking for more, there's a subreddit. There are YouTube videos. Um, I'm just I'm just floored by this one. So uh, Soma, thumbs up from from me, and it sounds like the the two of you. So um, go go play some Soma. Um, so that was our Soma episode. It was extra long, um, but it's because there was so much to this game. Jessica, thanks again for coming on the show for the first time. Uh, if the people want to find you um, to talk about Soma, where can they do so? They can find me in the Discord. I'm looking forward to hearing how everyone else felt about the game. And uh, hopefully I wasn't the only one playing from the floor with my face in a pillow. And your username on the Discord is jfant. Jfant. Yep. Mo, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Emritati on almost all social media platforms. I'm also on that Discord channel. Um, really appreciating everyone's kind of discussions, the deals, and especially the news that Jacob keeps firing out. Whenever something happens in the gaming industry, it definitely pops up in there. So uh, if you want to keep up to date, jump on on there. Um, you can also find me at emritati.com. Jacob, where can you find folks find you? Uh, they can find me at Jacob McCourt or at jacobmcourt.com. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind.